Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Monday, ready to talk some MMA with you. We got to discuss the UFC on ESPN card that took place this past Saturday, headlined by Marlon Vera versus Rob Font. Marlon Vera was successful in that main event. Um, he was very, very impressive, but so was Rob Font. Unless you were to take a look at Rob Font's face, you might disagree with me, but it was really, really a bizarre fight in that sense because the the faces just told two different stories but and, and the punch count told two different stories but the judges got it right and in the end i believe the better fighter did get his hand raised so congrats to marlon vera we'll go over that card we'll go over some of the latest news as well so buckle up junkie nation it's mma junkie radio on a monday may 2nd ready to go Now, if you're a Ghost fan, well, guess what? He is here, but he'll be on limited speaking because the man can barely hang in there. He is not feeling too well. So I guess I will be my normal version of a lot of hot wind. So let's start off with just getting the results going from the fight card in Vegas. Uh, It started off with Shanna Young defeating Gina Mazzani. The fight ended in the second round there via TKO stoppage. Natan Levy defeated uh, Mike Breeden, and that was a three-round decision. Then we had Gabe Green via TKO punches, beating Johan Lenace, Francisco Figueroa, another knee bar. We thought, well, April, April can't possibly have another knee bar. We, we had one. Uh, he defeated Daniel Da Silva, Alexander Romanov, showed why he was a minus 2,000 favorite. I still don't think anyone should be minus 2,000 in the heavyweight division, especially for the men. Well, I don't even know. I mean, there is one for females, but they don't really use it. I I just don't think that they should ever have someone that that big of a favorite, but I guess Alexander Romanov did as good of a job as you can, showing me why I'm probably wrong. He defeated Chase Sherman, just mauled him, and then submitted him in round one. Christoph Jocko defeated Gerald Mearshart. Decision, uh, unanimous decision there. Another unanimous decision for Darren Elkins. He defeated Tristan Connolly. Grant Dawson was on his way to probably decisioning Jared Gordon, but uh, he got the rear naked choke in round three. Joe Anderson Brito defeated Andre Feely. Now, see, he wasted no time. 41 seconds is all it took. To take out Andre Feely, who had been talking about, man, I feel good. I haven't fought in a while. Let's go. 
wasn't his night. Andre Arlovsky defeated Jake Collier. Well, I should have done the air quotes. Defeated Jake Collier. Everybody knows I love Andre Arlovsky. He's a legend of the game. He's a legendary heavyweight, a former champ. He's been doing it for a long time. Set a lot of records. But he didn't win that fight. Um, I thought Jake Collier won that fight. In fact, if you go to MMADecisions.com, every single outlet had it for Jake Collier. And everyone that I saw tweeting kind of had it for Jake Collier. But the two judges that mattered, because one of them had it for Collier, the other two, they had a 29-28 Arlovsky. And then we got to Marlon Vera, who won a unanimous decision over Rob Font. So there you have it. Those are the results of the only major promotion going this weekend. If you recall, PFL goes on Wednesdays. We kind of talked about that already on Thursday's show. No disrespect to them. And, uh, yeah, goes. let's start off with Marlon Vera versus Rob Font. What a bizarre fight, right? Because Font had – he didn't gas. He was active. He pressured him. The, the He had the punch stats to kind of back him up a little bit if he really wanted to make a stink out of it. But um, he lost 49, 46, and two 48, 47s. Uh, but, but, yeah, again, his face told another story. You know, really, when you think about that fight and you think about earlier in the night, Gina Mazzani, I think the referees took it to heart, man, when we came at them for uh, stopping that fight in Bellator too soon because, boy, they let some of these fights go on way too long. And I felt like even the Rob Font fight uh, towards the end, I think just knowing there was like 30 seconds left or something, the referee, uh, if there were like 20 more seconds, I think we would have all just said, come on already, like stop this. This is really bad. If, if you look at his face, he looked like he had been jumped by a, by a bunch of fighters, you know? With these, these, are the type of things, these are the type of things that I don't know that you come back from the same. Yeah, I know. That's the sad part is Rob Font is mid-30s and – you know, if you were to ask me, hey, who who could survive a loss here between these two? I would probably say Vera, just because of the age. So Font is 34, and he'll be 35 in about a month or so. But, yeah, he took a beating, man, and his face showed it. So this this is why this fight was bizarre. Font, like I said, had a good punch count in his favorite punch stats. Not by a lot. I'm not saying he thumped. Marlon Vera, but remember, here's a couple things. So I'll say a few things here. In in the uh, Unified Rules of MMA, we used to talk about before a long time ago, effective striking, effective grappling, octagon control, and uh, aggression. That was I still have it kind of embedded, you know, in my voice with uh, Mike. Um, I almost said Mike Arrow. You know who I'm talking about? Mike Goldberg. You know, he would kind of go over those. So that's old school. And then in 2017, they said, okay, um, we got to be a little bit more explicit, but let's still stay away from the word damage as much as possible. Damage is more applied to round two. I always talk about the three Ds. But in this case, again, they lead off with effective striking over anything. That's what that is, folks. Damage. Effective striking over anything. And then effective grappling when you're talking about going for the finish that's the secondary and they still mention aggression and an octagon control or cage control for the other promotions but they make that sound like that's really really like some sort of a final tiebreaker you know like two teams that 
uh, in the NFL may have gone one and one, and then in their in their own division they both went. Uh, what is there? I guess it would be four and two, and then they get to like that third tiebreaker. Well, what well, you know, who scored more touchdowns or something like that? That's kind of what aggression and octagon control kind of have become a little bit. And effective striking is is really really the big thing. And so this one, even though Font had some rounds that clearly it looked like he had more of the more strike, you know, higher strike count, Marlon Vera was getting these knockdowns. Not even like, oh, that 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 wicked takedown, that well time take takedown with 30 seconds left. No, it wasn't even that. He was just knocking Font down at the end of I think rounds two, three, four. Uh, you know, and and so then when he would, well, actually four is a bad example, but two and three. He did it, and then he throwed some vicious ground and pound, some mean, nasty elbows and punches, and Font was like, oh, man, he'd, he'd be able to get up. But he'd get up, go to his corner, well-conditioned athlete, he'd come right back out, and he wasn't shy. He was coming right back at Vera. But those 30 to 45 seconds, boy, did Vera make them count. Um, and so not unlike boxing where you get a 10-8, you basically score a lot, and it offset the scoring count. For Rob Font, and then a little bit of ground and pound to go with it. That's why he was so damaged was from that ground and pound, and uh, and, and again he knocked he got knocked down, you know, three times. Now in round in round four, I remember you and I guys were watching that one together, and we talked about how Vera made this mistake because this time he got him down with like over a minute left, if I'm not mistaken, and then he stood over him and kind of kicked him, and you and I were both like what the hell like either jump on top and do what you did at the end of round two and three and actually go for the finish and i had a little more emphasis on that because i had the under i didn't care who won i just wanted the under or stand back up and get that wobbled fighter back on his feet the one who's on shaky knees the one you just knocked down but don't just stand over him and give him those those kicks that weren't really doing much i mean i don't even think that 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 the judges were really you know, it was it was something, but it wasn't the knockdown, and it really wasn't like too damaging. So I thought he misplayed that. But either way, he stood over him. Rob Font eventually got up, and they get to round five, and uh, here comes Rob Font again. You know, kind of rinse and repeat. It just for five minutes that chin just isn't holding up. And I think some of it's because it's been touched in previous fights. He's getting older, and well, you got to give credit to Marlon Vera. His strikes were effective. Yeah, I mean, those were a hell of a shots that he was taking. But I'd like to ask Marlon Vera, like, what, what his thought process was behind that. There's a couple things. Like, when you think about it, even his corner was saying, like, I know you like to start off slow. And I know there's some fighters that like to do that. But once you get to these more important fights, you can't be giving away rounds like that, you know. You could tell Marlon Vera just put his foot on the gas, you know, went into a different gear after after round one. Just do that at the beginning, man. You know, if you're going to feel someone out, feel them out for like a minute and then uh, and then do your thing because that's a dangerous game to play later on. But overall, like just a great performance for him. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you could come out and in round five and take a flying knee. You just don't know what can happen. And, and you know, I, I understand that when they're out there, maybe they're not thinking as clearly, but um, – Boy, fighters like to take credit when you ask them, hey, what were you thinking out there? And then they go through a finishing sequence and they kind of nail it to a T. So I have I'm of the opinion that, you know, again, 
fighters just make mistakes, but it, it's hard for them to own up to it. But I think if he looks back on it, no cameras are on or nothing's on and it's not going to go social. There's got to be so many times where fighters go, oh, God, I can't believe that. Oh, man, did I fuck up. Boy, was I dumb. But, yeah, you know, round four, big mistake there. But, look, I don't want to take away anything from Vera. Vera's face was clean. Then he had this beautiful moment with his family inside the octagon afterwards. And, you know, he said, hey, either numbers two, three, four, let's go. Uh, he's in the Bantamweight division, again, for anyone that needs a reminder. So he's probably angling for who – honestly, he's probably angling for whoever Aljamain Sterling is not going, going to fight. Now, Peter Yan congratulating him, congratulated him on his win and told him, hey, maybe we can fight someday. I don't know that he said next, but I think Peter Yan knows he's not next for Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Henry Cejudo's back in the pool. We've talked about that in the USADA pool, but uh, he won't be available probably still for another five months. Uh, Jose Aldo and TJ Dillashaw are two fighters that are angling for the Aljamain Sterling matchup. And I could see maybe the loser of that fight, or sorry, the one who doesn't get that fight may be fighting Marlon Vera, or maybe Peter Yan might do it. I don't know. All I can tell you is Marlon Vera's next fight is going to be big. Marlon Vera also happened to double up on the bonuses goes, which I want to talk about in just a second, but I wanted to see if he had any final thoughts on Vera versus Font. Um, yeah, well, it kind of has something to do with what, what I think you're about to talk about. And that's that these guys need to make a lot more money, dude, for performances like that. Like, come on, dude. That was a really good performance on his part. Rob Font sticking in there. I, I really hope they're getting taken care of. Um, I can't remember who we talked to about this not too long ago, but they were even saying just like a 5% raise or a 10% raise would do so much. I think it was Aljamain Sterling. Um, this is one of those instances where it just feels like, eesh, I know they agreed to something, but boy, do they deserve more for that. Yeah. So, yeah, I do want to talk about that for sure. Um, and finally, one more thing. Back to the unified rules. I, I bet you Big John McCarthy, the commissions, they got to be pleased in this instance because, again, even though there was a, a stat count that favored Rob Font, the damage that he was also wearing kind of proved to us that the better fighter that night was Marlon Vera. Like, if we had no time limits, I, I just don't see how Rob Font wins that fight. You know, he just happened to get saved after a couple rounds, and then he was able to recover because he's a phenomenal athlete, but only just in time for – Marlon Vera to come back and, and hurt him towards the end of every round. I kept saying if the rounds were only four minutes and 30 seconds, I think Font may have been up 30-27 going into round four. But that wasn't the case. Um, but again, the unified rules finally got it right in terms of effective striking and uh, Marlon Vera being able to win back rounds in which he was losing on, on, on the stat count because you, I've seen it in boxing. I've grown up with it in boxing. And in MMA, and that stat count is something that a lot of people look at, you know. But um, others say, well, look at look at both guys. Who would you rather be? You know, I, I think I'd rather be Marlon Vera after Saturday night. But some people also lump up easier. GSP and Fedor Melianenko, two that come to mind. So we can go around and around for days. Um, and, and the judges aren't perfect. I'll talk about that a little bit on Collier and Arlovsky. All right, but... So I should have mentioned the bonuses. The bonuses went to two performance of the nights, one of them to Joe Anderson Brito, who uh, finished Andre Feely. He was the one that got him in 40-plus seconds. And uh, Figueredo, Little Fig, 
Francisco Figueredo defeated Daniel Da Silva. So 50 Gs go to him. Fight of the night went to Vera and Font. Now, Font missed weight by two and a half pounds on Friday. So Vera got all 100K. And like I think what Goes was alluding to, if, if Rob had to give up part of his show money, right? And I don't know what Rob Font makes. Let's just to make it easy, let's just say he makes um 50 and 50, or if you want to go with 100 and 100, I don't know, whatever. Pick pick a number, doesn't matter. The point is, if he makes 50 and 50 and he gives up 20%, then that means he's taking home 40,000. He got no win bonus, and he doesn't get to share that other 50,000 for the fight of the night. He missed weight, and that's a that's a serious thing in our sport. There's a lot of fighters that go their whole career and never miss weight. So when you hear somebody being accused of being unprofessional, it comes from a lot of people who just don't tolerate that. That's part of the job. Now, I like to give at least one chance to every fighter. And frankly, I don't know if Rob's ever missed weight. I don't remember him missing weight. He He has. Okay. So it's his first time. And so therefore, hey, look, if they got to take 20, I get it. That's the rule. And if Vera was able to negotiate more, I get it. Some fighters do that. They'll go, I'm not going to go in there at a disadvantage. You know, what if you crush me because you didn't have to suffer like I did? And I take home a little bit of brain trauma and I take home the L and I don't get to get called out by Peter Young on social media or whatever. Totally, totally valid. But boy, there are some rare instances where you go, okay, hold on a second. So this dude either went home with 40 grand if he's a 50 and 50 fighter or 80 grand if he's a 100 and 100 fighter. So I'm basically taking 20% away from either 50 or 100. No win bonus and no fight of the night bonus, but yet he delivered a great fight like that and he's been an employee for yours or an independent contractor for yours for such a long time and you guys do sling some money around there used to be guys who used to make money just for sitting at home because they had given you great fights in the past you know what i mean so there's been a lot of money thrown around by the ufc higher-ups there's got to be this kitty that i hope dana white keeps goes on the side and i have heard to his credit that he sends people with discretionary bonuses. I think he gave nine bonuses in London. Trust me, man. I'm not I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but hopefully Shelby, Maynard, Ratner, us if they hear this. I don't know. Hopefully someone gets in the UFC president's ear and goes, "Hey, man, that dude fought his ass off. He's never come in heavy. I I don't think he's got a use out of case against them that I know of." um he represents the company well this wasn't his first fight he's fought for us and look how he's going him he's going he's look how he's going home he's going home jacked up we need to send him some additional money man he's a boston guy and look i mean look what calvin cater has gone through in some fights like that team comes to fight you know they don't look like big van vader right now you do look like big van vader or you look like a guy that's in the uh, witness protection you don't want to give out your whole identity so we, we would have to change your voice a little uh, or you're testifying against the cartel or something. Well, I guess you are talking about a cartel, the New England cartel, but you know what I mean, goes Like, I, I mean, I know rules are rules. Usually we, we, you know, and I know that we've gotten to know those guys from the cartel pretty good. I'm not, I'm not homering for them or anything like that. I just think, again, there's got to be a time where you reach into like that emergency kitty or the makes no sense kitty or whatever you call it. Yeah. Remember when Dennis Hallman got sent home? They go, don't fight, man. Your house burned down. Here's your win. Here's your show. 
go take care of that. Maybe even got a first-class ticket home. I don't know. That kind of thing. The UFC's done a lot of great things, and sometimes they don't get publicity for it. Uh, that was one from years ago. The guy that wore the Speedo <laughs> into the octagon uh, a few fights prior to that or after that. I can't remember, but um, I, 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 that, that type of kitty is what I'm talking about. Yeah, he deserves it. He definitely does. You just got to look at the history for every every fighter. Every every case is different. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was your main event. Again, big fights coming up for Marlon Vera. You'll, you'll see a big move for him in the MMA. Sorry, the USA Today Sports MMA Junkie Rankings. have already been rook, working on those yesterday and turned them in today. So um, I most of the time they, they go unopposed, but I do like to uh, huddle up with the editorial team and just see if there's something I, I missed. So uh, you'll see a move for Vera coming up. And then as far as Font's concerned, you know, not too much of a drop-off because, again, he's been a killer for a while. And uh, that's what happens, man, when two top cats fight. Sometimes the loser doesn't need to drop. Sometimes the result of the fight tells us where they belong, you know. So uh, keep an eye on those rankings. They come out Tuesdays, Wednesdays, around that time, depending on what part of the world you live in. And they are they are rankings. They're, they're worldwide rankings in the sense that they're not just the UFC rankings. Bellator's included, Invicta's included, PFL's included, one championship's included. If they have a fighter that deserves to be included, they're included. If not, then yeah, you're going to see mostly UFC fighters there. But uh, yeah, take a peek at those if you don't mind. All right, so um, Arlovsky versus Jake Collier. I thought it was easy, man. Collier won rounds one and three, and Arlovsky won two. I didn't think it was a blowout. I didn't think it was 30-27, Jake Collier, but I certainly didn't think Andre Arlovsky won. What was your scorecard, and uh, what did you think of, of that decision? I think I actually had it 30-27. Um, I could kind of tell towards the end that that thing was going to go Andre Arlovsky's way. Um, but if you look at if you look at his de- demeanor and the, the way he was standing, I think he thought he lost. I, I really do. Like it's not one of those where it was like an absolute car accident where a guy got ran over. I just thought it was kind of just obvious that the guy had lost. But you know, sometimes these fights just don't go your way. Um, but it's it's not the it's not the most horrific thing we've ever seen. But at the same time, it does feel like it just should have gone the other way. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> Saudi Amato, we've been lucky enough to have him on the show. I, I, I consider him a top judge. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's about 10 of them, and you hear their names quite often. And they're all top judges, folks. It's just we happen to disagree with their decisions from time to time. And guess what? Sometimes they do get it wrong. Um, but I don't believe any of them are on the take. I don't like to listen to ridiculous stuff like that. And I don't believe that any of them don't know the rules. And certainly, he's not one of them. But the unfortunate thing for Sal Diamato is, I don't know if it's me, but his name seems to get called out a lot. So a lot of people almost always like to put the blame on him. Because if it's one and one, and then Bruce Buffer or Joe Martinez or whoever says, and the last judge is Sal Diamato, and he scores it this way. You almost feel like, well, he decided he was the tiebreaker. Have you noticed that, girls? He's, he, his name yeah. gets thrown out a lot last, and so therefore he gets the blame. Yeah, that, that is unfortunate. I mean, look, man, 
I've been in rooms with with George before, with fighters, where uh, especially on military trips, we don't all agree. You know, we've been watching. They've been competing in the sport forever. We've been watching the sport forever. So it's a difficult job. But, yeah, it is unfortunate that sometimes uh, Sal gets lumped in there like that. The three judges were Michael Bell, Douglas Crosby, and Sal D'Amato. Now, Michael Bell agrees with Goes. He had a 30-27 Collier. Douglas Crosby and Sal D'Amato did have identical scores. Collier 10-9 in round one. Arlovsky 10-9 in rounds two and three. The media scores. So I always, if you always hear me say yeah, MMA decisions, it's simple. MMADecisions.com. They're a great resource. They keep the scorecards for all of the judges for all, you know, for all of the fights that have required judges since whatever, since probably we've been doing this. And so they're a nice resource to have. And aside from having the judges' scores, you can turn in a scorecard. I don't know if, you, if people knew that, but you can. Um, and also, uh, the media scores for you know that other people turn in are there. So I went there, goes, and not one call for Arlovsky. Yet I see six for Collier, Mike Sloan from Sherdog. I've heard of him, and Mike Junkie. We didn't have our I don't, we didn't have a writer there that submitted his name, but somebody was doing play by play. I may have been Nolan King, Sean Sheehan, uh, SevereMMA.com. Heard of him for many years. There's MMAmania.com, which I've heard of. I just, Drake Riggs, uh, it doesn't ring a bell, but I'm, I'm not disparaging anybody. Uh, I just haven't heard of him. And then there's, uh, let me see, Eurosport Nederland, Marcel Dorf. I've seen that name before. Then we get to others, some other scores that are just simply 29-28. Jay Collier, CombatPress.com, Michael DeSantis, heard of him. MMA Sucker, Ryan Frederick, heard of him. WrestlingObserver.com, heard of them. I don't know who Keith Shillian is. Sherdog.com, heard of them. I don't know who Dane Fox is. Bloodyelbow.com, J.P. Petri. I don't think I've heard his name, but I've heard of it. Obviously, bloodyelbow.com. Another Sherdog.com, Tristan Critchfield. Um, and then Sherdog.com and MMA.com. MMAmania.com. Sorry, MMAmania.com. Just somebody who was doing their play-by-play turned in a score of 29-28. So consistently, all of them had Collier winning. Michael Bell had him winning 30-27, but Douglas Crosby and Sal D'Amato uh, judged the other way. Now, I don't want to spoil it because it might be a topic for spinning backlink, but I, you know, you know how after the fights they wheel these fighters in, they'll wheel Dana White in, sometimes even a fighter from a big fight that's on the losing side, they'll wheel them in and the media gets to ask them questions. I really wish sometimes we could do this with officials. I know that's not going to happen, but what I'd like to do is, I think on Mondays, the commissions all have a big conference call. I wish media could maybe either listen or call into it, or maybe they can, and I don't even know, just because I'd like to hear either the judge himself or the commission official from that state, which in this case would be Nevada, come on and say, well, I spoke to the judge, and this is what they said, and guess what, folks? I, you know. Whatever it is that I don't care if they if it's rinse and repeat and then their standard issued answer that keeps them safe. I still want to hear some kind of accountability. But again, when you have a few of these, and I'm and I'd like to hear what what other judges who didn't judge would have scored it, or, or or maybe some of the referees who are also judges, 
you know, the, them say something. And look, maybe if you've acquired a few of these in the last six months, you just take a night off or you maybe don't do a main, you know, for a month. I don't know. I, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall. But something to refresh your mind or something that at least uh, also tells everyone that's out there, including the fighters, this is a serious thing, and we always want to stay on top of it. And again, I'm not nailing Sal to the cross. He just happened to be the last name. The other name here is Douglas Crosby. Douglas Crosby could have simply said 2928 Collier, and then it wouldn't matter anymore, would it? I mean, I guess, I guess in a way, for that purposes of that press conference, because those guys take it serious, that conference call, they probably still would ask Sal questions. Or even if Sal turned it in, they'd ask Douglas Crosby questions. But, you know, I, I think just some sort of a communication transparency that tells us what they're thinking, why they did it, um, how they interpreted the, the rules yet again. And then, look, again, it, it could just be that the commission official is satisfied with their answers and we all move on. But I still think that would be a valuable 30 minutes or one hour for um the sport it would be nice i i, I kind of wish too that there was a little bit of a bigger pool of these guys as well um but yeah True. it would be it would be nice to to just hear what it is their thought process was behind that true yeah you're right i that, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea um they're i'm sure they're always grooming judges and referees so and plus like the EPL, the NFL, Major League, they'll issue a statement on Monday and say, hey, look, the NFL is usually the best to use for an example because baseball, basketball, and hockey are sometimes multiple times per week. Well, baseball always. Um, the NFL will say, hey, look, in Sunday's game, uh, the NFL feels like this happened and that's not the way the rule should be interpreted. It should have been this. And it doesn't take away from the win and the loss. It doesn't take away from the feeling of the of the players that, you know, that obviously wanted to win that game for whatever reason. Hopefully it's not one of those that impacts the season, meaning, you know, making or, or not making the playoffs. It could just be something that happened week three to a team that was going to be undefeated. Now they only have one loss or maybe they weren't going to win one game and this would have been the one game they won. I don't know. But still, I like the transparency and the communication. So just something like that. If we have to start off with just a statement, from the Commission of Nevada, hey, we spoke to these two judges, Douglas Crosby and and uh, Sal Diamato. We rewatched it with them, and this is what they said, and we accepted their answers. Then I guess we all just move on. It's as simple as that. But um, I don't think it could hurt the sport. So hopefully, something like that is already taking place. And if it is, and I applaud them, and and I'll take the L for not knowing it. I know they have this conference call with a lot of them. I, in fact, we shared that with people, you know, when we spoke to a few of these guys. A, a lot of people didn't even know that they existed. They want to be on top of it. They have WhatsApp chats between just the referees, just the judges. You know, they, they want to get it right. Trust me, folks, they do. Hey, one thing before I forget goes, did you see that um, Frank Trigg had his first title fight? No. Or main event? Oh, Wait. Was it Bellator? Yeah. yeah. He had that, and I also heard his name being called for somebody who turned in a scorecard. And I know he had yeah, told me that that he that he was a judge as well. I knew that, but I hadn't heard his name, and it was kind of cool to hear his name. Yeah, uh, I, I did hear him as a judge, 
And then I believe that was his first title fight. Yeah, Bellator, right? Yeah, Bellator, yeah. And he's had main card in the UFC now. And so that's good, man. You know, Frank Trigg, a lot of people may not even know this. He used to fight. At one time, he was one of the top two or three welterweights in the world. Unfortunately, his time came during two guys that are probably still on the Mount Rushmore of welterweights, Matt Hughes and George St. Pierre. So that, and he had a big mouth. <laughs> he was actually one of the best heels ever. Yeah, but he he came up short in some big fights, so he got cut. But this guy, man, is going to make an MMA Hall of Fame one day because his contributions as a host of a radio show, not just stars, Sound Off, four years with Ryan Bennett, the great Ryan Bennett on MMA Weekly on Sound Off, two years with us on Tag Radio, and then the show on Fox with Jay Glazer. Uh, that was monumental. Him calling fights with Mauro Ranallo over at Pride. Him calling fights on Access TV for all the different promotions like CES, RFA back in the day. I'm not even sure they were LFA back then. LFC, uh, Titan, you know, he, he, he did that for a while. And now to contribute as a judge and referee, I mean, that simply is pretty amazing, man. Um, he's been in corners. He's been in other fighters' corners. And like I say, that's you really, really have to tip your hat to someone who's contributed that much to the sport. Referee, judge, commentator on television, like a color commentator, an analyst on television, a podcast and radio show host, and then he fought. He also told he also holds two belts, the Icon middleweight title and the WFA welterweight. I know he's got it. Oh, shit. No, I'm blanking. Goes it. What was the other, what were the belts he had? He had a welterweight title. It was either WFA or Shudo, and then he yeah. had a uh, the icon belt as well. Uh huh. Yeah. So he he has a couple belts. Um, he came up short in the UFC title fight versus Matt Hughes on a couple of occasions. One of them, I mean, you could argue that it, it maybe should have been stopped, but it wasn't by Mario Yamasaki. But yeah, I, I just wanted to give a, a little shout out to Frank Trigg, man. That's so awesome that he's gotten to do so many things at a super high level even outside of that you know being a part of star wars is pretty huge too is he still doing that or can you talk about it without giving something away not really okay all right all right so we'll leave that there shout out to frank trigg and i still stand by douglas crosby and um saudi amato but they'd be the first to tell you we don't get it we always don't get it right we're human and so that's why I would like that type of communication because I think people, I think commissions, it, it would serve them well, you know, so let's start off with, with, with a statement or whatever, telling us you talk to them since obviously talking to them wouldn't be possible. I, I wouldn't see them ever in a post fight uh, press conference setting. All right. Um, and by the way, call released a statement saying if anybody interpreted his actions as being uh, that of a sore loser, that was not the case. He said he was asked to leave the octagon. Then he was asked to stick around. And so anybody that may have been watching that, I didn't really pay attention to it. Honestly, uh, may have interpreted in a certain way. He says he has a lot of respect for Andre Alaski. He's a legend. And, and that was that. Did you know what he was talking about? Or did, did you see that? Yeah. When he was walking out, Andre was trying to uh, like talk to him, embrace him. And he, uh, 
he had his back to him, so it looked like he was ignoring him. But you know, mm. it was a good explanation. All right, um, we are going to bounce here, folks. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I, I a couple final notes. I just want to say I hope Darren Elkins does get a new contract. He definitely earned it. Grand Dawson's going to move up those lightweight rankings. Big win for him. He got the finish. Christoph Jocko back on the radar once ranked. Maybe he'll be ranked again. He's kind of on a little bit of a roll. Alexander Romanov's definitely moving up. Congrats to all the fighters that won. Check out MMA Junkie for all the latest news in the sport of mixed martial arts. Don't forget, this is a fight week. We have a pay-per-view on Saturday, and so a lot of stuff's going to be dropping. Your countdown shows, your embeddeds, and then, of course, we have a team that will be in Arizona for UFC 274. Two title fights on Saturday, so keep it locked all week here on MMA Junkie. We got you covered. All right, folks, go out there and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.